All right, welcome everybody. This is the Joe Danier Podcast. I am Joe Danier, your host. And uh, today I want to talk a little bit about uh, law of attraction. And, uh, you know, law of attraction isn't a very popular topic uh, among some. Like some, it's almost cultish where law of attraction is this, you know, mysterious thing that brings you everything you want and you don't have to, you know, work for it. It's just like you put your order in and it gets delivered and life is great. Now, my version of law of attraction is not like this whatsoever. Mine is more of a psychological mind trick that you play on yourself. And so you keep, it keeps you sort of like psychologically and mentally focused on things that you're after so that the biological primitive side of your brain doesn't kick in and ruin stuff for you. So it, it helps you take on things bigger than the human mind was probably, you know, engineered to, to take on. Like we think we're so sophisticated. We're really not. I mean, if you just look, when we get us in, when you get people in, in large groups, uh, we act very foolishly. We act very primitively and we lose all of our senses. You break us out on our own in smaller groups and then we're able to do more complicated things. Uh, but it doesn't take a whole lot before that stuff comes unglued. Um, if you ever sat at a table where you had a bunch of smart people were trying to come up uh, with ideas about conquering it, uh, what gets in the way? Like typically there's enough mental power in the room to get the thing done, but there are too many people in the room to get the thing done. Uh, egos get crossed. Uh, conflicting ideas get crossed. You know, uh, people and their purposes and their priorities are different. And so it's really tough to get smart people to come into frequency with one another to get stuff done. So what the law of attraction is in Joe's flavor, and I mentioned that word frequency, right? We can overcome differing opinions and, you know, strategy sessions by frequency. And frequency, all it is, is the repetition of something over a period of time. So if we met every day, and we had to get something accomplished. We might not get anything done on the first five days, right? But if we don't try to Hail Mary it and get it all done at one time, then by the sixth time, we're going to get annoyed with the fact we're not getting anything done. And for the sake of getting something done, we're going to lose all of those primitive egos and differences and, you know, and different priorities because for the sake of you need purpose. We need to execute. We need to be working on something. We, it's part of our genetics. So we're playing one primitive sense against another primitive sense. Once you know what you're going to do, you can hijack yourself and use yourself against yourself to get done what you want. So that's essentially what law of attraction is. So let's talk about a little bit about those people who are addicted to emergencies. We, there was a topic yesterday. We talked about people who just seem to invite emergencies. So what you got to think is most of the stuff that's most important in your environments are picked up by something other than your conscious brain. So your conscious brain is your logical side where you're putting things that you notice and see through a, you know, a, 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 some sort of filter. And then on the other side of the filter, you have some kind of output and then you act on that output, right? Well, the heavy lifting, and this is Joe's theory, is that most of the important stuff is not put through the conscious brain. Most of the stuff is on autopilot and it's going on behind the scenes where it never really registers with the, uh, you know, the conscious part of your, your intelligence or your, your, you know, things you can see, taste, touch, and feel and make decisions on, uh, the important stuff's really not happening. Now, my process is you have to make 
stuff dumb before the subconscious can really put something on autopilot, right? You got to take the mystery out of it. You got to take the sexiness out of it. You got to make it really boiled down to its most boring components. And then you can basically uh, free up the mind from constantly making decisions about really dumb things. And then all you have to do is make those dumb things really stupid. And so that they're really done without you having to think about them. That's where frequency comes in. So you can take a sophisticated thing like a board meeting and getting something done versus something that you could say, okay, well, every day I'm looking for my keys, right? It's because you're constantly thinking about your keys and it's not that smart of a thing. It's because you've randomized and created variables and now keys can be in different spots. It could be in your pocket. It could be left in, you know, in your car. It could be left in a million different places. So we've set up the the variables that allow the landscape for you to always be discovering where your keys are. It's not something that you have to do a pursuit every day and find them, but it's what you're choosing to do by not putting it on autopilot. If you take away the variables and make it so that your keys only do one thing in certain spaces, then your subconscious brain kicks in and then it's managing a whole lot of stuff that you don't even register as has happening. And so in order to get smart, you have to let your brain go dumb. And, you know, and that's just counterintuitive because we think you get brilliant people in a room and lots of stuff is going to happen. That is absolutely opposite of what actually happens. You got to dumb it down. You got to process base it and use the the faculties of value like you, the, your faculties will connect with what's really important. Right. But in the moment when you're thinking about it, think about all the variables that are introduced, like what happens if someone's opinion is more valuable than yours? What if they're smarter than you? What if they're more connected to you? What if they have more money than you? Right. Then your opinion is going to lose value depending on if it gets out there. So then your strategy is getting it presented so it gets acted on. So the goal then isn't an idea where the whole thing gets better because of the ideas you're now connected to it and you want your idea to win. So it, it devolves when we get to that point. That's primarily what I see in most meetings is that you, you have this shyness where we walk into it, where either nobody shares anything or competitiveness where everybody shares ideas and they want theirs to be the, the baddest and the biggest and the best. Right. But when if someone, whoever put the meeting together, and, and they wanted it to be sort of an objective thing, they really wouldn't care what came out of it. It would be the process that sort of like creates uh, a, a more valuable product because something was put through that system. So that's on its most sophisticated form. And the simplest form is you're thinking about a bunch of dumb shit and using your brain cycles to come with conclusions that if I asked you before the day begun, you would say, yeah, I probably don't want to spend a majority of my day thinking about that. Like, I want to think about my dreams and my goals and things that haven't happened yet. I don't want to be on an endless pursuit looking for my keys, wondering why I don't have a towel to take a shower. Uh, are there any clean underwear to put on my dupa today? Right. And, but that's the kind of shit that if you don't do it, that's the kind of stuff you're going to be contemplating. It's just, it's part of the gig of be, being a human being. So let's talk about the people who, who uh, attract the frequencies of emergency. They're doing it subconsciously because it's happening and it's a sum of all of their choices. Right. And so how do you do that? If I wanted to, okay, so you can do a test and, and don't even believe me. Just get to the end of the day and do this test. Say tomorrow I'm going to wake up and all I'm going to do is look for blue cars. 
So you're going to wake, you're going to go to sleep thinking, man, I'm going to notice blue cars. I'm going to count them and I'm going to record them and I'm going to do stuff with them, right? So you get your mind ready to accept information about blue cars. And then you get up and you're reminded that you're supposed to be looking for blue cars. You pick up your, you know, your notebook that you're going to be recording blue cars and all this stuff starts being attached to blue cars. So your subconscious takes the cues that says, hey, this is pretty simple. I'm going to go around looking for blue cars and it's going to deliver on what you asked it. So you're going to drive around, you're going to see more blue cars in that day than you've ever seen. That If someone had asked you at the beginning of the day how many blue cars there are, you're like, I don't know, uh, one-tenth. And, and then you're going to wake at the end of the day and you're not going to be like, hey, it's a proportional things of all things seen. You're going to feel like almost every car in existence is blue in comparison to all the other colors that you're not noticing that day. And so once you know your, what your mind is capable of, once it's put on a task, then you can repeat that frequency to attract whatever it is that you want. You, instead of blue cars, maybe you're going to look for uh, Thai restaurants. And then you start noticing Thai restaurants if the density of Thai restaurants are even uh, that. But here, here's the second part of that. Once you put your mind on notice that you want something, your intuitions will start kicking back information of things that you have to do. So maybe your subconscious doesn't have a sample size of something like Thai restaurants enough. So it doesn't even know where Thai restaurant, what do you even do? So how's it going to start presenting you with Thai restaurants where it's never even seen a Thai restaurant, but you might get intuitions that say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to drive some pathways that I don't normally drive. And that's your subconscious brain giving you the intuition that you don't have a sample size of something you're asking for. So it needs to deliver it. So you ever wonder how, like when somebody's doing uh, hypnosis, how they're able to get the subconscious to talk to, uh, to them well, your brain has seen way more stuff than registered in your conscious brain. So if, if you want to know something you haven't seen, you got to talk to the subconscious brain. But the subconscious brain's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like a caveman. It doesn't speak in proper English with sophisticated words and flowery adjectives. I mean, it just doesn't, right? It, it grunts like a, like, a, like a caveman would. And so you gotta, uh, you, you got to address it a little bit differently, but then you can get the... Uh, the feedback. So I th think of, you know, blue cars. I don't, I, I don't even know where I'd look to see blue cars. So you get the intuition to drive different spaces. So you get a better sampling and then it starts delivering you data that then you can go out there and check to see it. You get these really good pieces of information that you don't know how you really got them. But then when you verify them, they're true. So it feels uber mysterious, but all you're really doing is sorting through information, using your brain as a, you know, this big spreadsheet where you're able to access data faster than you were before. So in two modes, go out and collect data through intuition, follow what your intuition tells you. And then the retrieval of that data, when you ask for it, if it's got that information, it will come to you in, in that form. And so when you meditate or you pray or whatever it is that you do at the beginning of or end of your day to kind of get your mind set with the frequency, you're asking it to do stuff, but you're not asking it with its mystical powers. You're dealing with a data uh, you know, a database that has the ability for you to write queries and be able to take the output of those queries and put it right into your mind. And that's, that's the mechanics behind what we're doing. But if your data sampling, like your data is in a, in a form that the subconscious can't work with, you got to change the data to feed the subconscious, not the other way around. So once you know how that works, you know that, Hey, this is this frequency that I'm trying to hand my subconscious is too complicated for it to do anything with. So I haven't simplified it enough. I haven't split it into its core components and that why your subconscious can't do what it's asking. So you might even ask about the blue car thing and your subconscious is like, dude, 
you are doing everything in your conscious brain. The only thing I'm doing is regulating your heartbeat and your respiration. Uh, if you want me to work on other stuff, you've got to serve me in the data sets, the, the, you know, the parameters of what data I'm expecting in that, you know, container or else I can't do with what you're handing me. And, uh, so anyway, uh, back to the original one. So how, if I wanted to set the frequency where all kinds of emergencies visit me, what would I have my subconscious look for and do? Because remember, I got to set the stage so that I set up an attractant. If you want to attract a bear, right, you got to learn stuff about what bears like. And then if you could set a campsite up with, uh, if I wanted to attract a bear, right, what would be there? Food, water, things that it likes. I don't know. Songs that bears like, I, whatever. And then you gave yourself, you didn't ensure, but you gave yourself the circumstances that might attract a bear. So that when bears come, you're not surprised and say, how did that happen? You set up all the components that bears like. Now, if you do that uh, not on purpose, and then you reverse engineer and say, all right, now I know what bears like, and here's, here's compared to what I did. And you're like, look at all these overlaps. It's almost like I was trying to attract a bear. And those are the people that attract emergencies to their world. You watch them when they're given a, you know, a neutral resource, how quickly they convert it to a component that attracts something that they like. Maybe it's the sympathy that they get from the emergency. Maybe it's the dopamine and the chemical rush they get from emergencies. Maybe they get attention from people they care about. And so all of these things, when added up, if you called them on, if you go to those emergency people, hey, are you just doing this for the attention? They're going to say no every time, and they're going to be insulted that you have accused them of that. So you don't say that. That's not a good practice at all. But if, you, if you're helping someone who does that, saying those words are not going to help you, I assure you, but reverse engineering their life and finding out what investments they're making towards that end, you can say without you know, accusing them of attracting that stuff. You can be like, all right, well, a bear visited you last night, right? Yes. And do we want bears to visit us? No. All right. So let's take one thing a bear likes and not do that one anymore. And we'll keep eliminating stuff, the easy stuff, especially until bears stop visiting us. And when bears stop visiting us, then we can then, then take some of the more subtle bear attractants and we can even remove those. But it's a long process that you're going to have somebody at the table who's going to feel their ego is threatened when you start accusing them of something that they're using because they're doing the exact same thing. They're utilizing the forces external to get something that they want. And so they are hacking environments to be able to get the outcome. Now, they're not listening to the fact that those outcomes are bad in certain ways and destructive in certain ways because that's not what they're after. They Some people come to you and say, you know what, I can't understand why I can't hold down a job or I can't hold down a relationship or I can't get people to trust me right? They're not looking for the answer, right? They are looking for the pursuit of that answer. So if you can deprive your brain from just giving them the answer, that's like step one. So if someone said, hey, bears visited me, what do you not want to hear? Hey, you're so stupid. Look at you attract bears. That's not what you were after. You don't want the answer, right? It's a problem solver's brain that says, maybe we don't know something that we should know. And how do we figure out something we don't know? Joe's big thing is that I have to put it through math. Math doesn't care about hurting your feelings and math very seldomly hurt actually hurts somebody's feelings. So if I can just make it very neutral and bland and boring, usually nobody gets mad at me for telling them that if I put 
365 $1 bills in a jar, I'm pretty sure I'll know what I have at the end of the year. You're not going to get mad at me for math. And if I have $100 and I take $1 out of a jar every week, then I took 52 and I have 48 left in a jar. Nobody really cares. It's only when you accuse them of some kind of laziness or stupidity or some of those other emotional you know, components, that's when they take exception with you. So steer clear of those and just talk in terms of math. Removing variables isn't threatening, right? So let's remove variables. Is that a good idea? Yeah. Okay. Well, here's a variable list and I don't care what you put in there, but let's remove a couple of them that nobody looks like they're gunning for the stuff that you, that makes you tick, right? Because then you just take a person that that's destructive and then they go back to internalizing and then you're no longer their coach or you know, can, can no longer help them. So there you go. That's a lot of stuff. And I maybe listened through this a second time because there's information for the attractant, the attractor, the coach, the people, the, the you know, the whole landscape. There's three people in, in this these examples that could be become better by just listening to these couple excerpts. So next time here on the Joe Danier podcast.